You are listening to the Passion City Church Podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Today's talk comes from Brad Jones. It's good to be in church on this Sunday in January, specifically on Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. We celebrate, we honor, we remember the life and the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. Can we all lift an applause for that as well? Um, we were gonna, we were going to gonna, we were gonna, the eloquent speaker up here today, we were gonna, that's uh, my West Texas coming out, but we were going to start a new series last week, and then today we were due to be in part two of a new series called Priorities, or Priority. We were still up in the air, and uh, God willing, we'll potentially start that next Sunday, but uh, as Pastor Louie, myself, a few other people were talking, especially on the heels of Passion 2023, if you were LinkedIn or if you were here last week, you know that two words were rising to the surface, and we, we believe and we sense that God was just saying, park it here for a moment. And just think about these words and, and can we put those into the fabric of our house in 2023? Could it not just be a couple week series, could, but there could be a little focus that could, you know, send us into the, all that God has for us these, in this year. His words were hunger and urgency. And I, I want to specifically speak to what Pastor Louis mentioned last week is not letting church be business as usual but having a, a corporate hunger and a corporate urgency for what we do when we gather and what God's called us to be a part of as we move out from these walls into the world in which we live. Hunger and urgency. And it's not just business as usual, same old, same old, going through all the motions. And, and there will be Sundays that feel more similar than others. Even like right now, we've had a few songs of worship. I'm preaching but just so you know, we want to approach with an expectation. And, and I hope you will as well. It's good to see this room full. It's good to see the 950, 9.30, what time is that earlier gathering? The 9.30 gathering. Love them. They're just not as good as the 11.45. Can I get an amen? No, that you, actually, we're all in it together. God loves us all. It's not a competition, guys. You know, no, anyway. Um, but it, it, even in our gathering, could there be this expectation not just about what God, what is going to happen, but what is God going to do? What is God going to speak to us? So I want us to go to John chapter four. And as I was preparing one, I, I, I love that God was leading me to John chapter four to talk about the last half of the chapter, what happened after he had this conversation with the Samaritan woman. Many of us know this story. I think it's beautiful that God led me to this on MLK weekend because obviously Martin Luther King Jr., he portrayed this uh, moving across barriers to fight for equity and justice. And Jesus, this is what he was doing when he was having this conversation at a well with a Samaritan woman. And, and I wish we could have been there. There's a lot of things in the life of Jesus or everything for that matter. But maybe near the top of the things I wish I could have been at was this conversation with the woman at the well and with the disciples. It's because I actually love awkward situations. Do, do you love those 
Some of you are like, no, get me out of here. No, I would have loved to be a fly in the wall, to look at the reactions. So when Jesus started talking to the woman and asked for water and like, what was her reaction? Like maybe chosen has made, we need to go back and watch a, you know, a clip of this, bringing it to life. But like Jesus talks to this woman and asks for some water. She's gotta be floored like speechless. Oh, this has never happened. Jewish men don't talk to women. Jewish leaders don't talk to women in public, but especially Jewish men don't talk to Samaritan women in public. And now you're asking me for water? Whoa. And then it got weirder because she was like, why are you asking me for water? He's like, well, if you actually knew who was asking you, you would ask him for living water. And she's like, what does that mean? This is so Weird, And then they get into conversations and he starts speaking into her life and tell, telling her all about she's done. You can go read the story. But then it just keeps getting more awkward. And we'll jump in in verse 27. It says his disciples returned. Where'd they come back from? Well, while Jesus was at the well, they had gone into the town to look for some food. When they came back, it says they were surprised. You see that? Surprised. Uh, that would be it mildly stating it in the English. They were completely shocked. Their face or their mouth had to be on the ground. And I love John. He, he says that they wanted to ask a couple questions, but they were afraid. It says, no one asked, what do you want? But also no one asked, why, why are you talking with her? They... John's like, we, 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 we all thought it, but no one was afraid to ask. You ever been afraid to ask questions of, a, of somebody like you're at a new job and everybody knows something and you're like, I actually don't know that. Or you're in class and you're like, you want to like be a good student and like actually learn something, but maybe people are going to make fun of you because you asked the question, you nodded to that. Any guys at some point wanted to ask a girl out, but you were afraid to ask that Question, okay, moving on from that. Um, you're, all the ladies are like, most guys, most guys are afraid. Let's be honest. The disciples, they wanted to ask, most commentators say to the woman, they wanted to ask, what do you want? But, but really the, the word is, what are you seeking? And if they would have asked that, maybe it would have been Jesus that spoke up and said, it actually, it's not her that's seeking me. It's me that's seeking her, her heart. Her soul, yes, a Samaritan woman. But then they also wanted to ask, why are you talking to her? Like, w w this is not the way people roll. This is not the way people act. This is going against the standard, the culture. He is like, he could have said, yes, I'm on a mission to seek and to save the lost and bring a revival, not just to the Jewish people, but to all people. Nobody asked the question, but, but, they, but they thought it. And as we look at this story, what we're going to see is we're going to see the first revival of the New Testament. And I believe there's seeds that we can see that end up seeing a, a harvest of revival. And I want to specifically speak to the hunger and the urgency that we find in this chapter. It says, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and they made their way towards him. 
Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, remember they're back, they'd gone to the town, they're back now with some food, something to eat. Hopefully it's something good, but it's most likely some raw fish or you know, a loaf of bread. It'd be cool if it was like a, a filet mignon that somebody had just cooked up for him. But he said, Rabbi, eat something. They really wanted him to eat something. They urged him, they pleaded with him, you gotta eat something. But he said to them, here comes another awkward moment. I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Jesus, 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 eat something. Like we went all the way into the town. Like we brought you some good food. Like you need to eat something. And he's like, yeah, man, I got snacks. I got, I got some stuff. I got food to eat that you don't know anybody. And he's like, eat? and then the disciples are like, they ask each other, like, did, some, did somebody else bring him food? I got food to eat and they're, they're confused and I would be confused. So he keeps talking. He said, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And this was innocent on the, the disciples. They were trying to look after their leader. They were trying to take care of him. Jesus is not saying he does not need to eat. Uh, yes, there was moments of fasting, but he was God in human form. He needed sustenance, physical sustenance. He needed food to survive. He had humbled himself and became obedient to being a human, walked on earth in the limitations, but he became obedient to death in his humility. He needed food, but that's not what fueled him. That's not what was his major motive or his mission innocent mistake on the disciples, but I want you to see the picture. It might help you remember it. The disciples had physical sustenance, or let's say it a different way. The, the disciples had something they could see and put their hands on, and they had things of this world, something that had been produced from the world. And they were telling Jesus, this is what you need. They were urging him, take this. And Jesus said, what I need more than the things of the world or the physical sustenance, what, what I need is greater than that, is bigger than that. It, it's better than that. He's saying, I, uh, yes, I need some food, but what I really need, yes, I need my uh, body satisfied with food, but what I really need is my soul satisfied. And my soul, I mean, Jesus' soul was fine, but he would say, my food is the spiritual sustenance. What fuels me is the spiritual sustenance, the things people can't see. They were pushing things of the world on him. He said, no, I'm, I'm staying focused on the things that can't be seen. My, will, my, my food is to do the will who, of him who sent me and to, to finish his work. And so what I just would want to make sure we all know today is we need to know God and to be a part of what he is doing more than we need anything from this world. What you need most in life, no matter what you're going through, more than money, more than comfort, more than physical healing, more than having popularity, more than having some relationships restored. And I'm telling you, those are some legitimate, serious needs, more than having fame and success and all the stuff that you want. What you need most, 
What your soul was created for was to know God and to be a part of what he is doing. That's why I I love those questions that the disciples thought about asking. And in 2023, can we ask Jesus questions? And one of the questions we need to ask him more often is in prayer, because Jesus talked about hunger and urgency, seeds of revival. In prayer, a good question to ask God is, what are you doing? So I don't know about you, most of my prayer life is more like, God, I want to let you know what I'm doing, and could you uh, bless what I'm doing? And I got these plans, and I got this, uh, this, these updates for you, God, in case you didn't know where I'm moving or what job I'm hoping for or what direction I'm hoping to I'm just going to let you know. I'm going to update you, and then uh, hopefully, God, through this prayer, you're going to get on board with what I'm doing and bless it. If you're up there, if you got power, would you just bring to fruition my plans He's like, now why don't you ask me what I'm doing? What what am I up to? And and spend time in prayer, not trying to get me on board with your plans, but me helping you get on board with my plans. Because I got plans and I'm on a mission and I'm at work and I'm inviting you to be a part of it. What we need to hunger for and to be urgent about is to know God and to be a part of what he is doing. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He keeps going in verse 35. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. Check this out. I'd underline it. I would memorize it. I would get your head and heart behind it. I tell you, he's speaking to his disciples. In the middle of what's about to be the first revival, he's helping his disciples get a clue on what he's up to, why he was talking to the Samaritan woman, why he was in Samaria in the first place. He says, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. Open your eyes and look at the fields because why? They are ripe for harvest. The seeds of revival and God willing, this is what he would pour out through us in our house this year. Uh, Start with you and I having a vision and opening our eyes. Like I said, not just to what we want to do, what our plans are, but God, what are you doing? He said, open your eyes and look. The fields are ripe for harvest. Instead of me uh, speaking uh, on this passage, I actually invited a couple other people to come up and speak about this. So first, I'm going to invite Zach Tenner to come up. Zach leads our high school ministry, and he's amazing. Him and Crystal are incredible, a uh, part of our house. We're really grateful for you. You look sharp in the tan, by the way. Um, but what, what's God putting on your heart as we hear him telling his disciples and therefore us open our eyes and look at the fields, they're ripe for harvest. Yeah, I, I just think it's such a, it's just a few simple words, open your eyes and look at the fields. Yeah, it can, we can complicate that so easily. Uh, but I just think about all the, the different fields that we have, even coming up in our church in the, in the next several weeks. Uh, I think about YA Collective that's about to happen on Tuesday night. And if you're a young adult or know a young adult, like y'all need to be there. If you know somebody, like tell them to come. It's some incredible things that, Uh, our church is doing. I think about fight night 
If you don't know what fight night is, fight night is a place for the men of this church to literally link arms with one another and say, we're going to fight for what matters most in our lives. I think about uh, even selfishly, like Brad said, I'm on the students team. And so we have a couple of different things uh, called winter weekend that's coming up in the next several weeks. Uh, the one for middle school is going to be happening uh, at the end of this month and high school is going to happen a little later on into February. And I just think, man, if you uh, are a student or you know a student, like these are going to be some incredible days that we want you to be a part of. And uh, if you want some more information, there's actually uh, some of our team that's going to be out uh, next to resources. And I know as I say these things, the temptation is for us to sit here and be like, oh, we got some more events coming up, awesome. But what I want us to do is I want us to repent of that right now because honestly, I can do without another event, but what I can't do without is these faith-shaping moments for our church. I think about what God's going to be doing and all of these things and so many more things. I love uh, that spirit of our house that we want to gather people and that we want people uh, to be able to see the fields and what God is doing. I think about last Wednesday night, we had our high school kickoff. Uh, it was our first thing of the semester and we were talking about some of these same things that Pastor Brad's talking about this morning. And at the end of the message, I, I just kind of felt like, man, we need to give people an opportunity to put their faith in Jesus tonight. And I remember two people ended up raising their hands and it was awesome. And uh, some of our team uh, was talking to one of the girls that raised her hand. And so I went out and I got in the conversation with them and turns out it was her first time that she had ever been to this church. And so I asked her, I was like, so, so what made you come out here? Like what brought you out here? Uh, shocker, she got invited by someone. But the really cool thing is that the person that invited her wasn't even able to come that night. And so she was like, I'm not going to come by myself. I'm going to bring three of my other friends who aren't a part of this church. And they were all in the room that night. Um, and the three pe the, her three friends didn't put their faith in Jesus, but I got to talk to them afterward. And they were like, this place is different. I feel seen here. I'm going to come back next week. And I think about the story of the young girl who came in here spiritually dead and walked out of here alive in Christ. Come on. Come on. I don't need to keep doing events, but if that's what's gonna happen, like I'll show up every week. <laughs> I'm gonna show up every single week. And what I didn't know is when I told this at the 9.30, the girl was sitting right there. And after the gathering, she got to put her light bulb in the wall. Like this is what we get to be a part of at this place. And I don't wanna get tired of that. I don't want to get tired of any of those things, but what I don't want to do is I don't want to be a church that does stuff that, but doesn't pray for stuff. And so what I want to do right now is I want to give us a moment to pray for some of these things that we have coming up because I believe that God wants to move powerfully in the lives of people, but that starts with us going to the throne room and asking him to do it. So I'm going to give you guys a, a chance to pray. Pray for YA Collective this week. Pray for fight night. Pray for winter weekend that people would have their lives change for the gospel. So I'm going to give you guys a chance to pray and I'll close this here in a sec. Father, we say this all the time, but it's all about you. We don't ever want to get that confused. Jesus, this is all for you. 
God, I think about the things that we have coming up in the life of, of our house and our church. And uh, God, I know you're going to move in power. I uh, thank you for your word. Um, it says that we, if we pray anything according to your will, God, that you're going to do it. So even this week, God, I pray that there would be new folks who walk into YA on Tuesday night, don't know what this place is, and they walk out with a family. They walk out with a community. God, I, I pray for fight night. God, I pray that there would be men in this church that would rise up, that they would be able to link arms with other people, and they may have never done that before in their life, but I pray that you would save them, that you would save their marriages, God, that you would do something powerful in the lives of the men in our church. God, I pray for winter weekend, the middle schoolers and the high schoolers that are coming. God, I pray that you would use them and that they would be set ablaze for your gospel and that they would go into their schools and there would be something different about them. And when somebody asks, they can say, let me tell you about this Jesus that changed my life. Father, would you bring salvation to this house over all the things that you have us doing? Uh, and again, Father, I don't want to ever get it mixed up. It's not about passion. It's about Jesus. And so, Father, it's all yours. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. Thank you, Zach. Behind you and the team, aren't you grateful for having a guy like that helping lead our student ministry? Janelle Nobles is coming. And uh, Janelle uh, needs no introduction. If you're a door holder, she is really embodied and ris uh, re helped raise up a group of amazing door holders, leads our experienced teams at 515. So when it comes to everybody that's helping find you a seat, getting you parked and just creating an atmosphere, she's behind it all. Uh, Switching gears, what's God put on your heart for open the fields, or open your eyes, open the fields, open your eyes and look at the fields, they're ripe for harvest. Yeah, I don't know about you, but this was convicting to me. And um, when Brad and I talked yesterday, we were talking about John 4, I went and read it. And something I noticed in it is that the disciples were from Jerusalem in that area. They grew up there. It was their stomping ground. Right? And, and just like your work or your family or your school, at your stomping ground. But the disciples had become comfortable with their stomping ground and it was familiar. And so when the woman came there to Jesus, you see two different perspectives. You see the woman and the disciples and you see Jesus's. And so what the disciples saw in the woman, of course, was a Samaritan and they saw something that was worthless, but Jesus saw something that was worth more. And the woman came with shame, but Jesus gave her sympathy. And so he was changing that perspective. And it's amazing that the verse about the harvest in the fields is right after that, because he's telling these disciples, what you see is comfortable and familiar is ripe and ready. And for me and my husband and our family this past year, actually, we walked through the diagnosis of cancer and we're still walking that journey. And what was really interesting is that he is on a lot of Zoom calls and talks to a lot of people every single day. And we made the decision that we wanted to say yes to Jesus in that time because Mike could have, you know, turned off the Zoom camera and people not watch him lose his hair during chemo or watch fatigue, but that's not what we did. And God opened our eyes to that field that was in front of us. And what he did is he used cancer to glorify his name and open other people's eyes. I would love to pray for us, me included in that and for you. 
Because each of you are in a workplace, you're in a school, you're in your family, and there's probably people around you who don't know Jesus and you've just gotten comfortable and familiar with them. But I wanna call us to open our eyes. He says that in there, he says, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe and ready. So if you would just open your hands to surrender and I'm gonna pray for us and over us that revival can come to those people around us. Father, you are good and faithful and holy. And we thank you for sending Jesus to rescue us, to restore our lives. But God, we ask for you to pour out your Holy Spirit on every person opening their hands right now. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to open our eyes. Let us look at the people around us. Let us be filled with boldness and confidence to shine your light to speak of the truth and the grace of Jesus. And God, we ask for revival to come in our families, in our workplaces, in our church, and in this city. It is for your renown, Jesus. It is for your glory, and it is for your name's sake that we ask and expect all of these things. Amen. 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 I'm gonna team teach from here on out. That was incredible. Uh, both Zach and Janelle, y'all are amazing. The seeds of revival, hunger, urgency, prayer, uh, production. Forgive me for a moment if this messes you up, but I just have this thought that I wanna think about. I might make a few people feel awkward, but um. Saw a couple empty seats over here. Said, okay, with the Dukes and Livia and Crawfords, I can sit here. If we're not careful, I'll try to figure out where to look. There you are back there. Um, this is Sunday every week. And we come and sit in a chair, wait for it to start. What are they? How are they gonna entertain me? or what is in it just for me. And, and please know we are for you and for people because we want you to come into this place and hear from the Lord and have your life changed and get the recentering and the rearranging that God wants for your life and to give you strength in a hard season of life and in a hard world to live in, to be encouraged, to shine, live for what matters most. But also, what if when we sat down, it wasn't just about what, what's, what's gonna happen for me? And we were that, that praying church. Because what Jesus kept saying, he said, open your eyes and look at the fields of ripe for harvest. He said, even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you've reaped the benefits of their labor. We get in on the action and we can be right here sowing seeds of faith because you're, you don't know necessarily everything that you're going through. I mean, you want to tell me everything that's going on right now and break it all down? No, but I know that I could pray for people behind me, in front of me, for the people on stage, 
God's an unusual God. Our pastor reminded us of, of that last week. And it's like, let's believe for the unusual today. And let's, let's sow seeds where we see God changing lives, turning hearts back to Him, bringing salvation, bringing freedom. We can sow seeds right from our very seat. And then lastly, there's prayer, there's hunger, there's urgency. Verse 42, no, I'm sorry, verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. The first revival in the New Testament. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Anybody want to believe God for the many this year at Passion City Church in 2023, not just in Atlanta, but in Atlanta and all over the world? You want, you want to believe for the many in your school, in your workplace, in your family? Thank you, Janelle, for leading us around that. There was hunger and urgency from Jesus. There was a call for his disciples to open their eyes, but then there was a testimony. We got the old school world of, uh, word of mission field, and now we're bringing the old school word of testimony. I believe if we want to sow seeds of revival, we need to hear and to share more testimonies or share stories of what Jesus has done. And the great thing about the woman's testimony is it wasn't really theologically deep. What was it earlier? She's like, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. That's it. And people went and looked. They went and listened. She didn't explain the Trinity. She didn't say, well, I need to talk to you about the difference between free will and predestination and the different groups of people that have different beliefs on that. She didn't explain or quote all of Romans or start in Genesis and explain the whole scriptures all the way to Revelation. She just said, I met this man. I think he's the Messiah. And what he was speaking to me changed my life. So much so that I dropped what I was doing to come and tell you about it. If you know Jesus, let us be very clear. You have a testimony. You have a story of what Jesus has done for you. Does not mean you're perfect. Does not mean you get it right every time. Doesn't mean you haven't messed up. Her story was not about all she knew about Jesus. Her story was all that Jesus knew about her and what he was giving her and offering her. Can we, can we share our stories? It doesn't all have to be like, well, let me sit down and give me 30 minutes. I'm gonna walk through when I was a baby. And then my, you know, it's just like, let me just tell stories. Let me tell stories. When we gather together, let's tell stories. I've witnessed your faithfulness. Let's tell stories. And it was a woman's testimony that led to a revival. That's how we're gonna end this talk today is we're gonna hear a woman's testimony. So I'm gonna invite Taylor and Nicole to the pool to get baptized. 
And we're gonna be encouraged by hearing a story of what Jesus has done. And if you haven't been around when we've baptized people, it's as good as it gets. This is what we love celebrating. I wanna go ahead and invite Taylor's family to stand up because you're in this with her. And we will get to hear together a story of what Jesus has done. I'm gonna pitch it to you, Nicole. Hey y'all, this is my friend Taylor. She grew up in a Christian home with a mom who loved the word. When she was young, her mom got diagnosed with muscular dystrophy and was bound to a wheelchair by the time that she was five. In the years that would follow, Taylor, her brother and her aunt would have received the same diagnosis. While she had this foundation of faith modeled by her mom, she really began to view it as more of like a box to check than a relationship to be had. And from about 14 to 18, she fell into a depression where she struggled with um, just feeling really hopeless and dead inside. She told me that she was a tornado is the word that she used to describe herself. She fell into this pattern of self-harm and cutting and even some suicidal thoughts. It was a really dark period in her life. Fast forward to about um, last spring, she was living in Tennessee and she was partying and making decisions that she's not super proud of, but um, she knew, she started to realize that she needed to make a change. And then in July, her mom passed away. And that's really when it all just fell apart for her. She started to realize that she needed to surrender everything she had back to Jesus. And she made the decision to do that. And that's when she really came from death to life in Him. Yeah, we can celebrate that. She moved back to Georgia where she got plugged in here at Passion City in the Young Adults Ministry where she has a family group leader that she loves and people that she's walking through life with. And when you ask her what she wants people to walk away from her story with, it's that as cliche as it sounds, it can get better. When you submit your life to Him and truly let Him lead you and rest in the purpose and plan that He has for you, it can and will get better. She knows that it doesn't fix everything. It doesn't take it all away. The grief that she has from losing her mom is still very real and she's walking through that, but the hope and um, peace that she says she has now that she didn't have before is so real too. And she knows that she's not alone in walking anymore. So Taylor, because Christ died and arose for you and you've put your trust in Him, It's my joy to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Praise God. One, uh, 
Taylor, I'm gonna come to you in a moment. But Nicole, that was not easy to do in uh, putting this story at the end of the baptism. And I just uh, thank you for the way you've cared for Taylor, gotten to know her story and spoke that over her life. Thank you, Nicole. And Taylor, you'll, you'll get some pictures from this, but you'll see, you'll see a couple different things that we see. And you'll see some tears of, uh, I'm sure sadness missing your mom because that pain doesn't go away. She'd be so proud. And but she would also, uh, you, you, you'll see tears of joy, but I'm not gonna forget that smile when you came out of that pool because there it is, there it is. And that is uh, joy. Doesn't mean everything is easy. And if you're ever, if you're investigating Jesus, not sure about Jesus, you don't know if you want to put your faith in Jesus because legitimately hard things have happened to you, or you felt invaluable, or purposeless, or there's been moments of self harm, just like Taylor. I also want to tell you those words again: hope and peace that only Jesus brings. It doesn't mean the pain goes away. It doesn't mean it's all easy. It just means like the woman at the well, that there, there's a hope and a peace that comes from the, the spiritual sustenance. And so God, I give you thanks and praise for this woman's testimony. I pray that you would continue to comfort and surround Taylor with your spirit and with your people and with your word. God, I pray that people would be encouraged not just today, but in every day when they hear what you've done for Taylor. I give you thanks and praise and we celebrate you, Jesus, and we celebrate what you've done for Taylor. It's in your name we pray, amen. Can we celebrate one more time? You can have a quick seat, then we're gonna sing get together. I just, golly. Ooh. Verse 42, it's right after they all came out and they urged Jesus, the Samaritans to stay. They had an urgency. Stay with us, teach us, speak to us. Then there were more stories. So one woman's testimony led to several other testimonies. And this is what they said. We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. We have to be careful. It, many people in this room, we have to be careful of cultural Christianity. Sure, I believe. Of course I believe. My, my family believes. My, my friend, my, my spouse, my, my parents, my, I go to a Christian school. I grew up in, in the South in the Bible Belt. No, 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 no. Revival. 
And maybe even starting right now with somebody that wants to make the decision for yourself based on the Word or the story to put their faith in Jesus. It's not just more and more people, yeah, 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 we go to Passion City Church. Yeah, 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 we, we go to church on Sundays. Yeah, let me tell you the name of the pastor, the name of my church or the conference. No, no the revival is that I've seen, I've heard not just other people's stories, but I have my story and I believe, I believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world. This is what we are asking for, church. This is what we're believing for. This is why we share our stories. I'm gonna call out for, for just a moment. I know I got a rap. Actually, I don't, but I can do whatever I want right now because I got the microphone, but you might leave. Um, I, I wanna call out some men. D uh, Dave, uh, shout out, I forgot to mention that fight night is next Thursday. We do have some special guests gonna be in the house. I can't tell you now. But, but men, I want you also, because if we're not careful, a lot of the, and I, I love, revival starts when women start sharing their story, right? But I want more men to share their story as well. And in baptism or in life, that's part of what this is all about as well. And Janelle spoke to it. The world saw a, a forgotten woman or somebody that had gone through a lot of shame, but God saw a vessel. Another old school word. I'm telling you, First Baptist Canyon, Texas did me right. God saw a missionary. God saw a spokeswoman. God saw someone who he could use to bring more people to him. And God sees that over your life. If you'll say yes. And that's how we're gonna end. It was a quote from the great Martin Luther King Jr. My closing prayer would be his, use me God, show me how to take who I am, who I want to be, and what I can do and use it for a purpose greater than myself. Use me, God, show me how to take who I am or who you've made me to be, who I wanna be, what I'm aiming for in life, what I can do, how you've gifted me, how you've positioned me and use it for your glory and for the good of the people around me. Use it for your glory and for the salvation of the people around me. Use it for your glory and, and let me get in on the action. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church Podcast.